Hey, everybody. Welcome to my show, my so-called fabulous. I'm Tiffany Blackman, and welcome. Welcome, everyone. Thank you so much for listening today, and it's so good to see you, and you all know you're starting to learn my bio. I'm a wife, a mom, and all that fun stuff, but you know what? I'm going to tell you what. I am a friend and I am a fabulous friend. Sometimes I fail at being a friend, but I fail a lot of things. Don't you all? Let me know. So I want to meet, I want you to meet my best friend. I can say this unequivocally. She is my best friend, Meg Plotsky. Welcome to our show, Meg. Thank you. So many of you have, um, you've seen on Instagram, my friend Meg, and we're going to tell you milestones in our life that we have shared. And um, on this show, you're going to meet a lot of my friends and a lot of my family members and people in my world. And Meg has been in my world for a very, very long time. And, you know, you always have friends and and Meg is going to tell you the three types of friends. Can we even remember that? We've been talking about it. So we've we've had a morning together. Um, I'm very blessed because Meg and I met in Coppell um, right outside Dallas many years ago. We're going to hit on the numbers here in a second. And um, we had our children together and we have our children now and we've shared, I've shared a couple of marriages with Meg, not married to Meg, but she's been through a couple of my marriages. And, um, I just want you all to meet her. So welcome to the show, Meg. Thank you. Honored to be here. Well, I'm so glad you're here. And I have to say, Meg, um, so we're all in the midst of the Corona virus. And I want to hit on this lightly because this iPod will last forever, if I'm not mistaken. So, you know, we're going to look on this, this podcast is going to be in history. So Meg, um, Meg, she was telling me, okay, I'm going to, what do I wear and what we talk about? And she said, but I've got to get my roots done. I have to get my roots done. Now, mind you, Meg and I both are 55. Um, I have to get my roots done. So tell me the story about, you were saying like, who in the world is doing hair at this point in your life, at the, in our lives? So how did, what happened? Well, so <clears throat> My hairstylist is named Janet, and she owns Tangerine Salons, which there's, I think, five in the Dallas Metroplex. And they were still opening. They were still open, and they were scheduling space and time. And then she got hit with allergies, and she texted me, and she said, I can't go into work. I have allergies. Everybody's going to think I'm sick. And I was like, what? Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> I said, okay, what do I do? But Just still, I need me. my hair done. I'm like, I can't, I'm the mean Tiffany, my best friend tomorrow. I'm going to be on her podcast. I can't go with gray hair. So I said, just tell me what to go buy. I'll do it myself. And she is one in a million. She lives not too far from me, about 10 minutes. And she said, <laughs> okay, you text me when you're coming to my house. I'm going to mix your color. I'm going to put it in the mailbox so I don't even see you. And then you'll just text me when you get home and I'll tell you what to do. So I went, I mixed it up. I said, is this what it's supposed to look like? Because oh, no. I swear, I thought, I don't know. I thought color looked more like the color that's on your hair, on your head. I don't even pay attention. But when they mix color, it's not that color. So I was worried. The second thought was, I'm going to put this on my hair and I'm going to come out tomorrow with blonde roots and dark hair. <laughs> so I texted her and I said, Janet, is this right? She said, yes, it's right. And she said, you know, hairline, face, um, and then... You and did go it. With, and I did it. And then she said, the last text was, she goes, um, good luck getting that shirt over your head with all that bleach on your hair. No way. So 
Uh, you know how you do the one arm out, and <laughs> I did get it out. You did the sideways. I did get it out. Yeah, and it's forty-five minutes. You have to stay, you know sit with processing, and it that is it worked fine. But I was eternally grateful for her and her kindness in in this you know time. Time. And, and she's situation. at Tangerine. She's at Tangerine. She's the owner of Tangerine and Capel. Capel, um, Allen, Dallas. Wow. Frisco oh. at the Star. And Highland Village. Well, Janet, thank you because she looks fabulous. But I, I have to say this: I don't know if Meg's going to be a hairstylist, but she looks absolutely <laughs> fabulous. You know. So, okay. So, um, talking about this, uh, the elephant in the room, we're going to go ahead and knock this out. It's Meg and I met many, many years ago. Um, Jake. Okay, Meg has two children, Jake and Britt, and she's been married to her husband, Rich. Coming up on thirty years. Correct. Um, Meg had just had um, a baby. Now. We've all talked about this, Meg. I, I have an eating disorder, so um, I'm all about fitness. As I'm like, I think that time that we met, it was like, oh my gosh, you got to work out, got to work out. You just had Jake. So you walked into the Brick House gym. gym. Is the Brick House there anymore? In, in no. Capel? No. no. So I was teaching a... Gosh, step, a step class. Oh my gosh. Do y'all remember step aerobics? Good Lord have mercy. What was it? It was repeater. turn straddle around turn. the world. Around the world. Repeater. 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 And turn. So, over and back. Over and back. So Meg came in and I remember I thought her children was with her and she said no, but she came in. Those of you that know Meg that's listening to this, she came in like a tornado in the room. And we probably had 20 people taking the class. And um she she set her bench up, the Reebok bench, and she got started and that's how we met and um it's been we've had a storybook relationship ever since so that's how we met in fitness so bringing back to the the coronavirus you have continued your career in fitness and you are a fabulous you tell us where you are you're at four seasons yes i'm the group exercise director at the four seasons golf and sports club which is part of the resort in las colinas and um, I do all their programming, hire the instructors. I still teach quite a few classes, um, specifically yoga and, and um, aerial, which we're trying to get Tiffany to come do <laughs> anti-gravity um, aerial yoga with me. And so we have been affected dramatically. Um, just uh, last evening, they made the um, very sad announcement that the resort, the hotel, would be closed until May 1st. Um, the hotel? The hotel. So... At our property, we have the hotel, which we call the resort, and then we have a private country club that's attached and part of the resort property that is the golf and sports club. So we are closed as well. We don't have an opening date. It's pending all of the decisions of the government agencies, um, but the hotel did close and they will be closed till May 1st. We're hoping that this goes that we process this situation quickly and that we're open before that, but there aren't any guarantees. And so what it means is we're a family and it's a challenging time because some of the employees on both sides of the property have been there 35 years. The resort's been open 35 years. So it's, it's um, trying, we're in trying times and everyone's just trying to keep their head up and be positive and, you know, do what they can till we can all get back to work. So I know a lot of the gyms, and I'm going to go to the gym side, and then we're going to talk about the hospitality side, but the gym and the fitness center, um, you have, like you said, you have members and then you have hotel guests. So um, do you do online classes? Are y'all doing, what are y'all doing to facilitate your members? 
Well, so we're exploring online classes right now for streaming mm-hmm. um, things, you know, things that you can do easily at home without equipment for those that don't have equipment. That would be Tai Chi, yoga, body weight workouts, um, things of that nature. Mm-hmm. And we're just waiting on the answer on when we can get started right. on that and be offering the members something that they can do and tips that they can do to stay positive, fit and um, emotionally fit as well as physically fit. Right. Because people are going stir crazy. And, you know, as we were talking yesterday about, um, you know, I know we're socially isolated. We're not on lockdown yet. Well, you know, not as of today, Saturday. I don't even know what today is, but um, we're late March. Going down the street, as uh, you and I were coming to the studio today, hardly any cars, but if you go out to the parks, there's quite a few people. Of course, there's social distancing, but it's amazing. It is amazing people having to get out of the house and well, getting, they've got to get out of the house to go crazy. Um, so the side of the hospitality. So when you, when this really hit, um, I know you and I, you were going to Cabo with us and the girls and you stayed back because it was spring break. So that spring break capacity, when you were saying, of course, the Four Seasons is packed. So when it went down to, I mean. Right. Well, definitely, you know, all businesses, including our own, went, you know, there was a drastic change. And some people from, for example, the New York area that might normally travel to Dallas or to anywhere in Texas, you know, rearranged and canceled or, you know, postponed all of their flights. Um, At that point in this situation, we were still fairly busy in the club side with members that were still working out and certainly still playing golf and certainly uh, playing tennis. Right. And so it wasn't until we got the directive that we needed to, uh, that gyms needed to be closed, Mm -hmm. that we closed last, I want to say that was last Last Monday night. Right. Yeah, last Monday night. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So, you know, going from going from where you are, how are you handling, how are you handling? Because you guys had to let your instructors go, your mm-hmm. staff. And I think about the instructors and the wait staff and the housekeeping. I mean, that is, you know, you and a lot of my friends that are in this industry are married with someone that is supporting them financially. It's so difficult for that might be the person's only form of income. And I can't stand that. That is what kills me. Yeah, it's devastating. And it's not just, I mean, when you look across a resort like the Four Seasons, it's everyone from, yes, the wait stuff, the housekeeping, but we also have a Kids for All Seasons, which you'll hear about, Britt. Right. My daughter, while she's finishing her master's, is one of the employees in Kids for All Seasons that takes care of the members and the resort guests' uh, children mm-hmm. for, you know, while they're golfing or playing tennis or having an exercise class. So you have single parents, you have grandparents, you have um, college age kids that are working, you know, to put themselves through school. So it's, it's devastating on all accounts. Right. And um, we're just hoping that the curve gets flattened and we get through this and we can get everybody back, I know you it. know, back to work. There has to be an end. You know, you and I, we've seen the swine flu, the bird flu, SARS, you know, Ebola, we've seen that, but nothing like this. I mean, this is like the war, right? They were all, I mean, it was just, it's a devastating time. Enough, enough of this, the sad talk. It's going to end. I know it's going to end very, hopefully very quickly, but we're all hunkering down and doing what we are, we can as a nation and especially, you know, in our areas. So we met at Brick House Gym. So Dama Brick House. She mighty mighty. Just letting it all hang, hang out. out. It's just a brick 
house. Look at our producer, Paul. Paul, which is a singer, just rolls his eyes when I do this. But, you know, I have to do something for a little shock effect, right? Of course. So we met at the Brick House in Capel, which is sadly, and I I know a funny story about that, but... um, no longer, um, no, obviously not now, but we met and Meg came on as instructor for Brick House. So they were at this time of trying to determine fitness wise. So it was a mind body versus the, um, weight training and, and I was laid off. Okay. I was laid off from Southern Living. So print publication back in the nineties when it started to to tank and I started working, you know, a lot of hours and I was the aerobic side and the, and the the strength training side and Meg was hired and you were the, the uh, mind body, right? Correct. You went, went yoga. So you also personal trained. Yes. Did the personal training. So Meg, but she also, we, you know, that was, and I don't even know if it's like this. You can tell me. So you have to keep your certifications up. Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. You have to do all that. So I was teaching and then I was also working for Southern Living and have to travel. And I taught 5 a.m. classes. Now, Meg, what do you have to say about that? I hate 5 a.m. classes. (laughs) Like when Tiffany would travel, it just, I am, it killed me. What a best friend. I just, you know, 5 a.m. and she still to this day gets up that early. And I'm like, okay, you know, you don't have have to to get up that early. You could go at like (laughs) six. 6.30, but um, that's just, you know, it's just in her DNA. Years ago, I didn't mind it as much, but I would say once I hit 30s, and then I'm just like out uh, any other time in bed early morning, but you do that for somebody you love. Yes. And so I was happy to um, step up and they were big shoes to fill because the members just worship Tiffany and her classes. So it, they were okay when I <laughs> came to fill true. in. Well, and you know, you, you develop that posse and people that go to 5am fitness classes, they're just as crazy as they're I am. dedicated. Yeah. Very dedicated. And you know what? Greg has often, my husband's always, why would anyone in their right mind go, well, well, people are going to jobs. They're going to their mm-hmm. careers. They have to get it done. Um, you know, many times you you helped me out and I, you know, taught for me. So I appreciate that. So anyway, I was teaching 5 a.m. And that's how we really started cultivating our relationships. And we were talking about earlier, that was in the 30s. Were we 30? No. I was I just turned 30. You just Because I went to Brickhouse Gym when Jake, my son, who's 25 now, was six weeks old. Mm-hmm. And um, those of you that know my husband, he was like, when are you going to the gym? Going to go to the gym. When are you going to the gym? You going to the gym? Hey, when are you going to the gym? So at six weeks, once I got cleared from a doctor, um, I went to Brickhouse Gym and I was telling uh, Tiffany, we have similar backgrounds and it very quickly became from uh, Tiffany's my aerobics instructor um, to my friend and then uh, my family. Exactly. Um, we moved from uh, the Chicago area to Dallas and knew no one. And um, my family, um, my father wasn't very well and they weren't able to travel very often. And so uh, Tiffany's family, uh, Popsicle and Julie Bean and Bud and, and her mother all became my family. And um, her husband at the time, his family became my family. And every holiday and um, every um, joyful and maybe some not so joyful uh, things that our families went through, we were all to, always together. Always. Always. And my son, I think one of the funny, one of the funny memories of that is that, you know, I grew up rurally, as I know Tiffany did, and we ran barefoot and wild, and and my kids didn't do that. Mm-mm. So it was Easter, and usually went to um, 
uh, Izzy's house for uh, Izzy, exactly. which is Bobby's, my former husband's um, sister. sister. Yeah. So usually we go to Izzy's for Easter, and we got uh, an invitation to go to the country, that's, <laughs> uh, to some property. And um, my kids thought they were at Disney World. I did. And uh, Bad killed a snake, mm-hmm. and it was there was just a lot going on, and there were ATVs, and um, on the way home, and Jake was just little mm-hmm. at that point. Maybe I, gosh, I don't even know. I don't even know. Was Kennedy born then? Yeah, she was little, little baby. So little. Jake was maybe Gosh, three. Little. He might have been four, and he's like, "Mom, mom." <laughs> Uh, when are we going to the country again? <laughs> like it was a theme park. That's you know, right. Which that's is, right. Um, which is funny. So we have just so many memories. Just so many memories. And and I just did the podcast about losing my mother, and you were there, and you knew my mom. And it, it's it's a it's a difficult time. And your dad, I never knew your dad. I know you lost your dad when you were two, mm-hmm. but then your 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 stepdad you lost later in life, and I was a part of that too. Yeah. And so you know we're at that age. I was saying in the podcast last week that we're at that age that um, we're losing people and um, it's tough. And having someone for so many years by your side is huge, absolutely huge. Just, you know, you lose husbands through divorce and you lose and you lose people. So anyway, and then, but, um, can I just say one thing? On sure. Um, and I'm saying this so that if there's someone listening that knows someone in this case, because I'm going to get a little teary. Um, Tiffany was by my side. Uh, my nephew committed suicide a few years ago, and it was devastating. Devastating. And I just think, you know, that's when you know um, the friends that are willing to talk to you about a dark subject like that um, and stand with you and are willing to tell their friends, you know, my best friend Meg, you know, this nobody knew, right? Nobody knew that he was struggling and. Of course, you can imagine how that is for my sister. Mm-hmm. And um, so I would just encourage as we're talking about losing people, um, parents and husbands to a number of things, um, just know that if there's somewhere out there that needs help, there's help and it's okay not to be okay. Right. And don't, you know, just let everybody know that we're all here to support everybody else. That's right. How's Chrissy doing? You know, Your sister. I think that people that go through this, that lose a child, uh, they just, they live side by side by the pain, but um, the pain never goes away. No. And their lives and their DNA are um, forever changed. You're not supposed to, you're, you're not supposed to lose a child. You're not, mm-hmm. it doesn't, it's not supposed to happen in that order. And, you know, I watched your sister and you go through that death, which was so so, so, and inex- I mean, it was not expected at all. And, you know, that it's tough because you are here, you are here in Dallas and your sister's in Wisconsin, Wisconsin mm-hmm. and you can't be there. And it's tough. I mean, and there's, and I can only imagine, Meg, well, you and I have had this conversation. What do you say? You can't, there's, you just, I mean, all you can do is be there. Mm-hmm. I, I would just say that if you know someone going through something like that, just, be a physical presence, um, you know, whether you write a card or you send, you know, a gift card that says, go have dinner on me or, uh, you know, there's not really anything you can do. And because until you've, it's a, 
it's a group that you never want to be a part of and you can never get out of. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you know what? Um, you don't know what to say. You don't know what to do. And, you know, when I saw your sister, um, at, at Jake's graduation and we'll get to that, but, um, at West Point, Ooh, what an incredible woman. I mean, you would never thought, you had never thought she had gone through that at all because she was just, she was supporting you 1000%. And that's, you know, I know you've, you know, she is your best friend as well. And you, but you don't know what to, we don't know what to say. You know what I mean? Like from the outside, what can you say? Do you bring it up? Do you not bring it up? Do you know, you know, you know, when I saw her, I just hugged her a little extra longer and that's because I didn't know what to say and do. And you know what, everyone listening out there, it, it's frightening because somebody's thinking about, you know, right. I mean, that's, it's real life. Mental health, mental illness is real. And I would say this, I know a lot of people aren't comfortable and I've spoken to Chrissy about this and nobody wants to think that their loved one will be forgotten or that it's wrong to say their name. I honor his name and there are um, some cute things that happen that remind me of him and you know, um, always of course on all the holidays and his birthday. And so we just hold, hold all the precious memories of him and honor his, uh, memories. That's right. You know, absolutely. Absolutely. So Meg and I have, um, our fabulous children and we have so many photographs and, uh, of our kids growing up and Meg did help me because I, she'll have to tell you the story. So she had two children by the time I had Kennedy. So I was pregnant and um, not knowing how to handle things. And it took me a while. Remember, it took us forever to get preggers. I mean, mm-hmm. it took you a while. Yeah, and we were almost to the point of taking the, starting the Clomid and all that stuff. But then it happened, you know. So, so Bobby, you'll have to tell the story about you coming over because Meg literally lived down the street from me in Coppell. So um, I was just telling Kennedy this morning, I'm like, yeah, when your mom got pregnant, she wore bands. I said, but if she even smelled coffee or chicken or Mexican food, which she loves, she would vomit. I mean, it was like instantaneously. And so one night it was pretty late and maybe for me, when you have two small kids, it was 7, 10 o'clock, 10 (laughs) o'clock is late. But, um, Bobby called me and he said, I just don't know what to do. Tiffany's on the floor. Something's wrong. And so in my pajamas, I got in the car and I went over there and, um, she was, you know, buckled over and I said, what's going on? You know, and of course, as someone pregnant for the first time, you're always thinking, what's going on? Is this, am I losing the baby? Sure. Is something going on? And, and I, I had, uh, I didn't know for sure, but I said, well, if you'll just get down in this position on all fours and you scoop back, it's in, in, in yoga, we call it child's pose, but your bottom's up a little higher. And sure enough, she got down in that position. And we'll just say that she had a release of some gaseous Gas. tension in I, her body. I basically farted in her yeah, face. That was basically... <laughs> That was you basically. Didn't say it. That was basically. I didn't know if I should. You say talk it, but, about friends. Let yeah, me tell you why. But um, you know. But again, that's that's a perfect example of being there for a friend that's going through something that you've already gone through. Exactly. You know. And um, <laughs> I'm happy, and I was honored to be be there the day Kennedy was born with yeah. a cast of not thousands, but there. I mean, people kept going, "Who are you here with?" And we're like. 
we're with Tiffany. <laughs> they're like, how many are there of you? So um, yes, when we had her, funny. Meg was so worried she had to take her children to daycare, which across over in Carrollton in Dallas, if you know the Dallas-Fort Worth area, not that far, but in traffic in the morning because I checked in that morning earlier, early, and she was born around eight or nine and in the morning. And and I remember you're so stressed out about Mother's being Day there. Out. Mother's Day out. And then you came in. Um, but I remember when we had her and that was, we decided to, de- to not determine the sex, which I don't know if I do that anymore, but um, but we decided not to turn. But everybody's like, oh, it's a boy. Remember that? It was a boy. It's a boy. It's a boy. It's a boy. So, okay, we had a name, Cooper Collins. It's going to be Coop Collins because I think Bobby wanted her, want him to be a baseball player but um, or an athlete. But it was born and it was a girl. And I remember him taking her to the, to the window and everyone's screaming and chanting and cheering. I'm like, who in the world is out there with so many people? It was like that scene in the wild and the Lion King. Yeah. <laughs> right. And everybody started. And all uh, Kennedy. <laughs> everybody started, you know, um, cheering. Screaming and, yeah. It was so funny. So funny. So yes, that was, um, you know, it was a time where, you know, you, you have a, you need a best friend during this time. We had a lot of friends. We'll talk about our friends in Coppell, but, but, um, I remember Kennedy was, she was breech. And so I was determined we were going to, she was going to turn around and, um, I went to voodoo doctors. I did. Remember, I did a candle over my, (laughs) poured wax over my belly, did all these things to turn and she'd turn about a quarter and then she'd flip right right back. And I remember, remember I was in love with my doctor. (gasps) Oh, I have a really funny story about your doctor. (laughs) Doctor. Remember him? He was a hottie. Yeah. Are you ready? Yeah. You ready for my story? So she was big, Big, pregnant. Big preggers. Mm-hmm. And um, my doorbell rang and she... Oh, my God. Yes, I now know. She had... No, she knows what I'm going to say. She had a doctor's appointment the next day. Was his name Dr. Charles? Yes. Oh, my God. Okay. So she went to get a bikini wax. Yeah. And she came to my door and... Um, Which Karen Karen Jones said to go to this, to this woman lady. that the, all the flight attendants went to. Okay, this Russian lady. Okay, am I? Are you understanding where we're going here? So she's nine, eight, nine months. I mean, she's pregnant and um, getting ready for the, you know, for the day, for the day. And my doorbell rings, and I open the door, and she's like, "Oh my god!" And she lifts up her dress. She's like. She took everything off. She me. was like a bald eagle. She took everything off. Took and everything. Said, and it's not that she was so worried about that. She goes, I'm going to have to tell Dr. Charles. <laughs> and so was, um, yes. she went the next day and she said, no, she told me this story. Yeah. I should probably let you say, she yeah. said, Dr. Charles, I got to just tell you something before you go down there. <laughs> and um, I don't know what he you was said. like. Okay, wait. He's looking at me and went, wait, don't, don't look yet. Don't look. Don't look. He's like, what? I went, um, I went and had this Russian lady took all my pubic hairs off, all of them off. And he went, oh gosh, I thought you had like snakes tattooed coming out of your (laughs) vagina or something. Good Lord. So, I mean, it was just so funny, but I remember our friend Peggy, she, we went to dinner that night and she said, you look like a pregnant seven-year-old. I mean, my (laughs) gosh, I mean, I was swollen. I mean, it was just a bad deal. But anyway, so the moral of the story, don't listen to Karen Jones. If you're listening to, to go to get a bikini wax, my Lord, they'll take it all off. (laughs) So that was the friend. So our friends, um, back in the cocktail, gosh, we had, we 
had a great group. You know, we were in our 28, 29, 30s, mm-hmm. 20, I, I guess, yep. all newly married pretty much. Some not. Some not. Some children, some not. Bob and I didn't have children, but we always, we had every Thursday night, Margarita Thursdays. Thursdays. So we went to Margarita's and you had children. And I remember you had to go get like McDonald's for the kids. And of course you did. But I remember when we were finished, we were, we even contemplated taking those fabulous animias and film. We contemplated taking the margaritas and sippy cups home. That's how desperate we were. That's what happens in the freaking rural suburbs of Dallas. But it was such a great time. I mean, all of our friends that we had there and you... What were, you, what were you telling me? There's three kinds of friends. Can okay, you remember so that? I have a dear uh, friend named Claire Siebes, I call her. And so this isn't my quote, but she told me this, and I'm not sure where she got it. She said that everybody, men and women, have three different sets of friends. They have a lot of fun friends. And then they fun. have fun, okay. lots of fun friends. And then they have utilitarian friends, which are maybe a more, might be, more appropriate to say acquaintances or you're, you know, you have a dog walker or, or something. It might be more of a business related, but there are, all of us have very, very few, what we call virtuous friends, virtuous friends that, you know, are with you f- through everything. Friends that know every detail about your life that are with you through all the seasons of your lives, mm-hmm. because fun friends tend to come and go, or maybe you reconnect later, but, um, if you have even one or two virtuous friends, you could, you know, should consider yourself blessed. Oh, gosh. And it's just an interesting way, I think, of viewing friendship because um, we had a discussion earlier today that talks about during the seasons of your lives, there are different people that are your friends because they're friends with your children. Oh, right. Or they're on your athletic team or, you know, something. And, and then you're and you're friends with them and your friends probably till your child graduates high school. Right. And then you have then another set of friends, mm-hmm. you know, and you might have and then you have your work friends. So some of them might be your virtuous friends, but primarily they're probably mostly your fun friends. Absolutely. You know, um, so I just find that an interesting way. And I think it's, I think it's probably true. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I know that on any given day, there are a few people that I could call and I could just put 911 in my phone mm-hmm. and they would either drive to me or no matter what they were doing, they would pick up the phone and call me. Absolutely. I know you're like that. Mm-hmm. I know that if I, okay, so Here's, here's another example. Um, we're talking about our children. And uh, those of you that are listening that know Britt, um, Britt is my daughter. She was my first. I didn't know the sex. We didn't know the sex. And I don't think we finished your discussion about a name because mm-hmm. in our case, we everybody was certain we were having a boy. I was right out front. They couldn't even tell I was pregnant. I was up high and, you know, and this and that. And we had a boy's name and we had a lot of girls' names. We were sure we were having a boy. And so when she was born, they looked at us and they said, well, what's her name? We're like, uh. Don't know. Can you give us a second? Yeah. And we were just not prepared. Right. And then you look at the baby and you're like, what What does the baby look like and what name, you know, fits? And so we settled on Britt Alexandra, not Brittany, just Brit. Britt. And she is... A Brit, right? She is um, Peggy, our mutual friend, used to say, God broke the mold when he made Brit. One thousand percent. Because she is one of a kind. You know, she was reading before. Brilliant. She was four. And 
and not just reading like books, but encyclopedias. Like she knew Harry Potter ish like things. She knew every dinosaur, every tropical fish, and and that you know that's that's just you know who she is. That's just who she is. So, right. I, oh, so we're I'm talking about Brit and friends, and when you call them, and so Brit is now. 28. Can't believe I have a 28-year-old. But right after Britt graduated from UT and she got her job, her first job teaching in Coppell, had been working for one week. Um, We found out that she had a massive blood clot, um, like a life-threatening, life-altering blood clot, and you're just paralyzed. Mm -hmm. And I'm fortunate Actually, this is, you know, another positive story about where I work. Um, we have a lot of physicians that are members, and I had a physician that took yoga from me regularly, and I, he, um, Dr. DeMaio, and he's a heart-lung transplant doctor, and he had, it's, things happen like oddly like this. He had just the day before given me his phone number to give to my son in case my son should ever want to call him about this project he was working on, and... Um, you know, that's where all these networks that you make along the way, like the people you meet now and you're networking, you never know when you're going to need something like that. Mm -hmm. And I called you and I, of course, called my family, but then, you know, I called him and he's, he's really the person that got Brit to the person that saved her life. Right. Those are the times where you're on your knees and you're, you know, begging for someone to take you and not, you know, not your child, take your child. And those, again, those are, those are the people that show up for you when you're not sure what's going on. Absolutely. You know, and glad now that the happy ending to that story is, um, they were able to remove it. She's doing great, you know, and, um, it was, it's a blessing. And Britt's about to graduate her yeah. master's yes. program, right? Britt's about to get her master's degree in information sciences and library sciences from the University of North Texas. Mm-hmm. I just shared it with Tiffany this morning. She passed her certification tests for the state and her thesis exam. Well, so now all she's got to do is finish the coursework. Yeah. And I don't think she's going to be walking because I'm not sure they're going to have a graduation. Isn't that but crazy? she will get a diploma. I know. So. And that one would walk. Congratulations, yes, Britt. We're proud we of you. We love you, Britt. We I'm so you. proud of you. Oh my gosh. And Britt's in love. Brits in love. Brits I hope love. you don't mind us talking about that, Britty. Because <laughs> we just went there, Britt. Because we just went there. We just went there. We know because we've seen a different Britty. Yeah. And I think all you ever want for your children is to be happy oh. and to find someone that is worthy of them. And I know this will be a situation for you with Kennedy. Oh. Um, when you have a special daughter and a son, no different than a son. But um, Britt's very unique. She's very eclectic. She's She'll tell you just what she thinks. She walks her line and um, proudly does that. And so this young man that she's dating is uh, perfect. Perfect for for her. her. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, she's a special one, definitely. You know, so that helped raise our friendships and help help, uh, our raise our children early years, you know, you were just saying something about friendships and, you know, think about your friends in college, okay? you and I didn't go to college together. We it's it's almost like we did, but we didn't go to college together. And then, you know, young, young, newly married, not knowing, you definitely you learn through the years, you have friends that support you. And I love what you said about 
Kennedy had, she cheered forever. And she had all of those Friday night. We were together every Friday night, Thursday or Friday night for six years, six years. And then we all left each other. It's almost like we had a divorce. Divorce. And it's heartbreaking. And I still see a few, you know, thank goodness for social media right now, because I see where everyone is and what they're doing. But we just had a reunion at your home this summer with our fabulous friends, uh, Chris and Michelle Noel and and, uh, uh, Chris Kirksey Kirksey and all our fabulous friends. And it's so good to connect and all our kids, you know, we're different phases of our life. And um, one thing I want to say, and I do have several virtuous friends and you have been through some life experiences with me and we talk about it and you know my personality so very, very well. I've, I've said on this show many times, I don't like many things and reactionary things that I did that old Tiffany, and I'm not sure, you know what I mean? That old Tiffy, um, that I wish I could erase. I wish I had a big giant eraser as large as my wine glass right now and erase how I was reactionary and how I behaved. And it, it, you know, and I think a lot of it is how you're brought up. Not that I just think that sometimes you, you go to what, I don't know, sometimes right. And I don't do this any longer, very rarely, but, um, you scream and you just, you go, you would just go, you know, just so crazy, but not crazy, but you know what I mean? Just so reactionary. And that 55 year old me, I don't like being 55. Ugh, jeez. But I like being 55, you know? Yeah. I mean, the, the insecurities that I had before, you and I were talking about it earlier, don't have those anymore. I do have news insecurities, you know, social media, not knowing what I'm doing, but you know what we were talking about? But as much as you want to take an eraser, I think, and this might be the yoga part of me, all of what have come before where we are right at this moment have, you know, we're all perfectly imperfect. And all of those experiences, I was personally extremely defensive and, um, Defensive. That's a good. De- word. I was a very defensive. Like when someone would question me, or, or specifically if in in communicating, we talked about communicating this morning with my husband. We were raised very differently in our communication styles. He's an engineer. He is a math brain. It used to drive me crazy. He would, when we were dating, he'd throw out like a math equation. He thought it was so funny I couldn't add it in my brain, my head. Well, that's just not my Richard. Red. <laughs> But he's brilliant in that way. But we communicate really differently. Yeah. And I used to get very defensive. And he, you know, he'd say, why, why are you, you know, why are you so defensive? And so you have to kind of look at that. And I think that all of that from my 20s and my 30s, all those things help make who you are today. So rather than be upset about what we did and try to raise them, we all make mistakes. I've made mistakes. You've made mistakes. Everybody makes mistakes. We make mistakes in parenting, you know, in parenting and work and with our friends. But all those things have helped us to grow in ways. And that's why we are. I do wish, I, I wish all, and I don't know if men struggle with this because I can't speak I'm from a man's perspective, but I wish I had the wisdom of my 50s and my 20s. Oh, gosh. Is I, that the truth? I wish that, you know, now I know the things that I like mm-hmm. and, and whether it's food or fitness or fashion, fashion or home, de- home decor. But I think in your 20s, 
Like I know for me, and I'll be honest and transparent, I I kind of liked what everybody else liked. Like, right. well, they like that. Or, mm-hmm. okay, so what is this? Um, oh, my God, there were belts that we were getting back then. Um, they had a lot of silver. I can't think of the brand name. They sold them at Sample House or something, whatever. And that was like the thing. And even though that might not have been my thing while well, everybody was doing it. And so, so I, back then, I, I wanted to be like everybody else. Mm-hmm. And I think now I don't. I mean, I I don't care if people don't like the way I decorate my home or maybe my crazy sense of fashion or sometimes my husband will go, are you really walking out of the house like that? <laughs> and I'm like, what do I care? You know, I mean, I'm just going to McDonald's to get my Diet Coke, right. which is one of my vices. But I um, like the Diet Coke. I like, but from McDonald's <laughs> and um, light, just ice. light ice. Light ice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my so gosh. I think that. All of those things, and I don't want to call them all mistakes, but I think the insecurities, um, I think that now we have a lot better self-awareness and our comp, like for sure, my confidence now as a 55-year-old is significantly higher than right. it was. You I, know? I am curious, and I'm looking in the booth at Paul because Paul's in his 30s, but um, I'm wondering if this if if now I wonder if Kennedy and Brett and Jake and Paul looking in the booth, um, Paul's in his thirties. Do is is that does everyone do the kids still feel like we did? Are you feeling like you have to have the same car as everyone else, or if you have to have like I don't know. I don't know if Kennedy feels like she has to mimic. Like I get what you're talking about. I remember Brighton. I, was bright bells, bell? bright okay, bells. Oh, yeah, Lord came have mercy. Me. Okay, so I'm just wondering, um, I'm just wondering if indeed the kids, Paul, does your son, okay, your son is, okay, you corrected me for earlier, 14. So does he, do you think that he has a stigma? I'm bringing in my producer here. Paul, do you think that he has a stigma to please everyone else like we were just talking about, like he has to have the same jeans or shoes. My son does not because I've raised him that way. Right. I never did. I always wanted to um, to have nice things, you know, to be able to look okay and things. But, you know, I also grew up in a very, you know, very limited household mm-hmm. with my mom raising me and things like that. So we didn't have a lot. So I, I grew to appreciate is if I was covered up with clothes, then I was good. Right. You know, right. I felt okay. And I also, I wanted my son to be able to feel that way. Do I never think- wanted him. I think that people lose so much of the time because time we can't get back. Mm-hmm. And that's the one thing in life that we can never get back is time. So I think that people waste so much of their precious time trying to please mimic or please or trying to get what other people have instead of building their own pathways. So, but do you think that that his friends, I mean, is that a thing? I don't even know. I, I do. I mean, I mean, the media, the man, I mean, with all the social media that's out right now, you know, with all these stars and all these YouTube people who are the Jenners. And, yeah, yeah. And, and they're they're showing what they have and what, you know, all these kids want things. And mm-hmm. it's back to, you know, not to go to a morbid route, but back to the mental illness thing. Mm-hmm. It's oh. there are more kids now than ever. Yeah. That that's so prevalent. And I mean, you've got eight, nine and 10 year olds doing horrible things Mm. to themselves or feeling that way. And that never if it happened whenever I was a kid, 
no one really knew about it. And it, I just, I feel like it didn't happen as much. Right. right. But right. I mean, I, I don't know for sure, but it just feels that way. So back to what you were talking about is, you know, that I, I, I instilled that in my kiddo to Not never, to never look at people. And I always tell them, I say, listen, you know, treat everyone wonderfully because that's all that matters. Keep yourself, keep your side of the street clean. Mm-hmm. And, you know, no matter what things bad or negative come towards you, brush them off mm-hmm. and always go positive. That's, right. that's going to keep yeah. your heart clean. It's a great way. And you're a great parent. So, I would you know what? But I also think that Paul, Paul raised this child and, and you and I had, a husband. We had husbands right. that were different, and you know what I mean. You're in control of the situation. I mean, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean it, it was it was rough because I was never able to be. I know parents aren't supposed to be their child's friend, but you know you have those those times. I don't agree where, with that. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. And I agree with part of it. Sure. You can't lower yourself in a way that makes them not respect you. And I think that's what people talk about Mm -hmm. because my, my son and I now we have so much fun together, but it was hard to do that whenever it was just me. Sure. Especially because I wanted to be his buddy. I wanted to be like, Hey, you know, I'm your dad, but let's have fun together. Right. But it's hard whenever I'm the disciplinarian too. Right. You know, cause so I, 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 I've raised him extremely strict, but I mean, you've, you've met him. I mean, he holds the door open for everyone. Mm-hmm. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. Yes, sir. No, sir. I mean, he is polite. Right. It's, it's weird. He's like a little 40 year old man. It's, it's, <laughs> it's strange because my people, my, my friends will hang around him because he's always been around. And ever mm-hmm. since he was young, they were like, well, he just is like a little man because right. he can talk. He can just talk to anybody. Right. And he gets along so well with people and he's so smart, you know, so. He's a proud daddy, do you think? Yeah, he's a good so, <laughs> I'm so proud of him. But I, I think you're absolutely right. You know, I, I did have to be that way and I had to kind of be both a mom and a dad at mm-hmm. the same time. I had some help with my mom and my stepdad who, you know, but. It was it was definitely a interesting time, but I was able to control it, and that's I think right. that's a big problem nowadays. Is people don't take that control. Right. Parents don't. That's true. That's true. Well, I think that you know that that entire you know you and I back at that point again with Paul's point, he's he's taught it, but you and I were almost growing up with our husbands too, because you know we grew up in a small town. When you Okay, we didn't hit on this point. You um, grew up in Chicago area, a north, little yes, mm-hmm. north so almost to Wisconsin. And you and I are we? Okay, I graduated with fifteen people, fourteen people. She graduated with over four hundred, four hundred sixteen. So, yeah. but still, that's that was small for. And I, as much as my brother and sister, and my dad are still in the small rural area that I grew up, and I, oh my goodness, I the people that thrive there, I was ready to get out. You. Yeah. Myself as well. I, you know, we were talking in the car and I, um, even though my, my school was bigger than your school, it was, we lived in something called Zion. Well, actually we lived in outside of Zion, which was called Bishop Park. I don't even think it was incorporated, but we went to Zion high school and it was a very small town. And I just wanted, I wanted to get away from there. I wanted to get out of that small town. And I mentioned that my oldest sister went to Northwestern, which was like, 25 minutes by train, I think. And then my middle sister, Chris, went to um, Northern Illinois University, which was like farther, like an hour and a half or two hours, I think. And then I was four and a half hours. I just 
I wanted to be away. You went to U of I, right? I went to University mm-hmm. of Illinois, Champaign-Urbana, and uh, in the middle of the cornfields. And I loved, loved being just my social security number. Wow. Mm-hmm. Where everybody didn't know my name or know my family or know our business. Um but I thrived in that. It, you know, I mean, there were so many people to meet and so many things um, to learn. And then you're, you know, exposed to so many more opportunities mm-hmm. of what you can do with a college education as well. Yeah. And you know what, Meg, I think I think about this. So I went my freshman year. So I remember my roommate was from Plano and went to Plano East or whatever. Maybe it was one university, one uh, high school at the time, but she had a Gucci bag. And that was before the belts and all that business. But I was like, I want a Gucci bag. Are you joking? My parents couldn't afford. I mean, it was it was not a thing. And so I felt this pressure. And I'm wondering if that pressure just like, did you have that pressure at, in college? Because you, you pledged a sorority like I did. I did. I didn't pledge to my second year because I was a bit of a nerd. I wanted to get um, straight A's. Mm-hmm. And um so, but my challenge was, nerd. I was a nerd, um, not a math nerd, Rich, just a nerd. Um, P.S. But I put myself through school and I was on, I wasn't in, um, my husband was in Illini Tower, which was like nice apartments. I was on a regular dorm floor and um, at the end of the month, I would run out of money mm-hmm. and everybody else would just call, you know, their parents and Send a check. Yeah, right. And I didn't have that as an option. So you become acutely aware, you know, and I tried to tell my kids this, that happened once. When that happens to you and you're like four days from the end of the month and it's a weekend, so you only get so many meals at the, you know, meal hall because it's closed on Sunday evening or something. From that day on, I'm like, this is not going to happen. And then I got a campus job and I worked probably four campus jobs. And that was just so that I could join a sorority so that I could do things that, you know, I wanted to do. But, and and that's why when we talk about, um, I was actually just talking to Greg this morning. I'm also um, risk adverse when it comes to money because we didn't have money growing up and not that you have to have money to be happy. But when, when I save money, I'm less likely want to put it in the market or something like that because I at least know I have this nest egg right? and I'd rather just have this and not have it grow, which doesn't, I know that doesn't make mm-hmm. sense. Um, but I don't want to risk losing that and going back. And we talked this morning too, about when I moved to Colorado. That's right. Cause you guys were in Coppell and then <clears throat> you and Rich moved. Tell so us about that. Was that a- was, um, 1999. Yeah. Let's sing that song. Um, and my husband was offered a really incredible opportunity and, uh, to move. And I didn't really want to move. We had a great house. We had great friends. The schools were great. The cost of living was not, not high. And, um, it was, it was challenging, but I knew that it was something that he wanted to do for the better of our family. And so the net net was, um, we moved there and my husband worked for AT&T at the time and the telecom was the king. Mm-hmm. And literally in the course of the first eight, nine months, telecommunications fell apart. Almost all of his clients went out of business. We were in a really large, beautiful house. And then the, you know, the money was gone and it was really challenging. And we knew that we had to regroup and they wouldn't move us back. And so we had to take a job with someone else. And it's it's enough to move and be st- kind of, you know, not necessarily want to move. And then to move and have 
all of your retirement, all your kids' college education um, disappear. Disappear. And so we made the choice to regroup and come back to Texas, which is, you know, is our home now. Although it's kind of funny because if someone asked me where I'm from, I'm like, I say Chicago, but I've lived in Texas longer than I've lived anywhere else. And um, those of you that are married that have been through something like that, mm-hmm. or even with a significant other, financial pressure is just all encompassing in a marriage and you're raising younger children. My kids were not babies, but, um, so it's, you know, it's stressful. It's very stressful. And, you know, right now I do have friends going through this, um, a couple have been laid off from their work and they're used to shopping, you know, buying, you know, going shopping certain areas and they're having to go and find different, they're used to having their groceries delivered and they, it's causing a little friff in the, in the relationship. But, you know, then the other one's worried about getting out and the virus and it's tough. So you guys went through that and how did it affect your marriage at the time? It's hard. It was, it was, you know, Rich will tell you the same thing. It was really, you know, um, how he felt, I'm sure having been the, you know, we made the decision together, but to do this, to have this, because the the reality is this people, if it had gone right, he would have retired at 40. Mm -hmm. So it was the opportunity of a lifetime. Did he want it to turn out that way? No. And so the sooner I could separate emotions, reactions to the situation and realize that we did this for the health of our family. And it, you know, obviously it wasn't Rich's fault that telecommunications fell apart. You know, then you're not arguing. Mm -hmm. Then you're like, okay, here's what it is. How do we move forward? How do we fix it? Right. How do we move forward? And how does that affect the house that we're going to buy? And, um, you know, from that point, you know, that point on. And we moved back to Capel because we loved it and the schools were were great. Mm-hmm. And it was familiar and and it was a, you know, was a good, a good thing. And then you'd think that you, you know, kind of weathered all that and then it got a little rockier. And then, you know, when we decided to when literally when Jake graduated, we're like, it's time to move out of Capel. Mm-hmm. The taxes are taxes very high are because the schools, schools are, are crazy great. incredible. Mm-hmm. So um, we just decided it was time, you know, to downsize. And sometimes that can be emotional. I don't know. Are there any of you out there that love your house? And then all of a sudden there's a financial change and, you know, you need, you have to sell it. And I will say the first time we listed our house, I was mad. I was mad. I'm just going to own it. I was mad, you know, kind of the why me. But when you come to realize when you release the emotion Mm -hmm. that the home isn't the building you live in. The yeah. home is what you create inside the structure you live in. And I will tell you, because it's kind of funny, and so if if the um, sweet couple that bought my house is watching, I was so, they were yoga students of mine, they met in my yoga class, and I was so thrilled for them because it was a neighborhood they'd always wanted to live in. The house on Creek Crossing? No, the house on um, Armstrong. Armstrong, okay. Yeah, so... Uh, Kathy, if you're listening, I'm so happy y'all are still living there. But that's really what it is. It's I think it's tempering your emotions, mm-hmm. and and once you break that, you're just thrilled for whoever. It's not your house anymore. It's someone else's, mm-hmm. and right. um, and then you go on. Yeah. And I know I have a few friends that live in houses, and it's time probably to do that, and they're not ready to do that, and it's a hard situation. So I really have a lot of empathy when you're going through that because I've, I've been through that myself. Right. But, you know, Greg, Greg has, um, 
he's he has told me he has started over so many times. Um, he has he's um, had a couple of marriages. He says it's not his fault. I don't. I I agree. But um, I love Greg. I yeah, love you, Greg. I know. I love Greg. But you know what? Honestly, and I told him this. I mean this with from the bottom of my heart. I love my home right now. I love it. Every inch is decorated like I like it. But you know what? If he told me tomorrow we got to sell it. We'll start over somewhere else. We a house is just a house, and I love it. I do, and I'll, I'll be a little sad, but I'm not. It's okay. A house is just a house, and you know. Again, those of you listening to this, I that I right now, it's 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 a tough time. I mean, you are. It's it's tough. I mean, it's tough on relationships, and we're not the same. Paul Paul and I were talking before we we started, and. You're living with a person that um, I'm living with a person and you're living, your husband works from the house, but Greg, Greg is newly retired and it's, it's tough sitting at home and the adjustment. Yeesh, I'm telling you, they're up in each other's grill all the time. But when, when we moved back from Denver to Capel, that's when Rich started home mm, officing. And I right. think I used to call you and say, I'm going to kill him. I'm going to kill him. Kill him. Kill him. Kill and him. because yeah. even though their office is in their home, you still have your children and your business in your yes. home, meaning you're cooking dinner, but then you have to be quiet. Then your dogs are barking because, boy, we haven't even hit that subject because I had two big dogs. Oh, my star. Roxanne and Tiffany and would go, I was scared of dogs at the time. Right. And what a loser. If you had ever told me that this woman would own a dog, I would have put a million dollars that that would never Never follow Lala never at little Lala V <laughs> underscore little scar. <laughs> My girl, you said you were the one that said you will never freaking it. Rich Plotsky, she will never, never own a dog. Mm-mm. No, and so when they got Lala, um, Rich said, How long is it before we get that dog? How long do you think before that dog lives with us? <laughs> he was so sure Lala was yeah. going to come. Um, live with us. And when she told me she was getting one, I thought it was like an April. I'm like, is it April Fool's Day? Yeah. You're joking. Because Tiffany had a really lovely iron dog. Y'all in her gave house. me that. All the girlfriends gave me yeah. that, right? And, and that was your dog. But yeah. that's, you know, so that's, uh, I'm so thrilled she's embraced the uh, the furry. Uh, oh my love. goodness. That is, I'm going to, honestly, I don't know if there's a pet law up here or anything, but I'm going to bring Lala B up here one day and because she's so fabulous. But yeah, I mean, I Mag had two large labs and I would jump up on her counter. What a drama queen. Oh my gosh. But I was scared of dogs. I did have an incident. And the two, the first two were the, the, I think for us, they were our first babies. And so they had no behavior. And then we rescued two. And then of course, now we have Lala's best friend. Best friend, Tank. Tank, the best dog ever. ever. Next to Lala. 92.6 pounds as of yesterday. So fast. Um, Such a sissy, but such a great dog. Yeah. And um, when Lala came to stay with us, they were going, I think you were going to Italy. Right. Yeah. For two and, weeks, um, three weeks. Yeah. It's for like three weeks we had her and it was Lala boot camp because we were on mile walks twice a day and she was at the front of the pack. Right. So, so funny. So sweet. So I want to bring in our, we, we could talk forever, but I want to bring in our babies, our itch, which is your baby and my baby. So, um, Kennedy and precious Jake and Jake was Jake's a little bit older than we think about three and a half years older than Kennedy and Jake. I'm sorry, Kennedy, y'all are listening, but, um, you two, um, very special children, Jake, when Kennedy was born, she would be in the baby seat and Jake would protect her 
Mm-hmm. And he would say he had a little. He had an under, really severe underbite. Under. He was like a bulldog, like that. Don't touch the baby. Yeah, he'd yeah. say, "Don't touch the baby." Maggie, Maggie would take her. So, so Jake and Kennedy. So, I can say this because Kay told me this. Um, she's at TCU now, and um, you know, it was very difficult to get in, just like Jake's at West Point, and we'll talk about his journey, but. She told me when she got in, she goes, my goodness, if I'd worked this hard, I'd been the top 10% at Vandegrift High School. And, you think? Okay. You think? So, you know, I think the two, Britt has always been driven. Your your youngest, your oldest has been so driven. Yeah. 1,000%. She was only going to UT. End of story. Not a question. On the other hand, Kennedy was only TCU, but she was worried about getting in. So Jake's journey at Coppell, he was baseball, right? Jake was baseball, baseball, and baseball, and baseball, and baseball, and, mm-hmm. and um, where where academics, I would say, probably maybe came a little easier for Britt. Um, Jake was less interested, is all I'll say. Not less capable, but you know, those of you that know baseball in North Texas, Coppell is no joke, just like Highland Park and any of the North uh, Texas teams. And so everything was about you know physical fitness and you know, batting practice and, and all of that. And so, um, when it came time, we went and met with his, you know, junior year, we met with, um, his, uh, counselor Mm -hmm. and he said, well, I want to go to West Point. And she said, you have no chance. No chance. You just need to know that right now you have no chance. And not even a reach. Yeah, no, she, well, anyway, so, so, um, then he did apply and he did not get in. And um, so then it was what what now? And so he went to the University of Texas, San Antonio, and he called us and he said, I, I joined RTC, mm-hmm. which we fully supported. I had, of course, wished he'd asked for money when he was said, hey, I'm in. But as it was, he did incredibly well academically. He won quite a few awards for ROTC, and he considered staying. But a dear friend of ours, Tom Morgan, is Jake's mentor at for West Point. And I said, well, that's okay, but I'm not telling Tommy. Mm-hmm. Right? You have to call Tommy and say, you're going to take this four-year scholarship, and we support you. It's your life. It's your, you know, anything. So he said, I'll go ahead and apply. And I said, well, you need to retake your SATs. No, I don't. Okay. Yeah. So he reapplied, and they said, well— we want you because actually what they said um, in the first go round was, you know, he was all baseball. He wasn't diverse enough. He didn't have enough leadership and other things. So he got that at UT San Antonio and they said, well, guess what? We want you, but you didn't retake your test. So we're going to offer you the prep school. And um, it was his decision Mm -hmm. and he chose to do that. And that means basically you're taking a fifth year of high school or think first year of um, college. But then when you go into West Point as a plebe, as a freshman, you start all over. So Jake's journey at West Point and through West Point was six years from start to finish. But his journey, I think I know this for a fact because he volunteered a number of times to go to recruiting events and told his story. He said, I'm the trifecta, right? You know, I mean, I didn't get in. I did this. I did prep. And then I got in. So he he will look for another young man or woman that doesn't fit the paper profile of a West Point cadet. Although those of you that are interested in West Point and any of the academies, most young men and women do not get in the first time they apply. And I don't think a lot of people know that. But I think in his life, as he goes on, he will find other people that maybe 
are more like him and try to mentor, mentor them and give back in in that way. I know I know that about him and um we were very blessed and honored to have Tiffany and Kennedy and Greg at oh my gosh Jake's graduation graduation people last May and um I really think that if every child in the United States was able to go to West Point they wouldn't hate history. Right. It's such oh, gosh. you step on that hollowed ground and it's it all comes to life and it's a, a privilege. And because a lot of these kids, we didn't come from a military family really, but a lot of these young men and women, their their mothers, their fathers, their grandfathers, their great grandfathers have all been there. So there's a lot of veterans that are at that. And I don't know how you even put that into words. It's reverent is maybe what mm-hmm. I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but even having getting gotten into West Point and then your GPA is your your physical and your academic and your military grade, you're still struggling mm-hmm. for your opportunities. And um, he he walked onto the baseball team, but then realized very quickly he wouldn't be able to keep a GPA up if he played. So he he didn't end up playing for them. And I think every spring it probably just a little bit. It's always hard for a baseball player right. in the spring when you're not playing. But, you know, when you think about all the things, you know, he's gone through and then you branch, you want to branch. And he wanted aviation. That was his dream. And there was a couple of times where he didn't know if he would do it. And so he did something called Brad Sewing, which is giving extra service to kind of secure that. And so for those of you out there that just don't know if you can do it, just call Jake because Jake is living his best life and he's in aviation. He's at Fort Rucker, Alabama, and he's He's going to be flying uh, above the best, they call it, for the Army. We're so proud. Go Army, beat Navy. (laughs) Of course that's coming. You know, um, as a parent, um, it's so difficult. I think one of the, of course, when your children hurt, you hurt so deeply. And they're sick, you know, just like you said with with Brent. But when your children are making decisions and, you know, just like Paul was saying earlier, you know, you're a parent, but you have to let them make some decisions mistakes. And it is so difficult not to step in at this stage of the game with my child at 21. It's so, so hard to not step in and go, but no, 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 no. And my child is, uh, she's turning into my parent too. She does help me quite a bit, but it's difficult when you see, you know, you know, they're not making the right decision. You know it, because let me tell you what, when you're a parent, and you have a kid that's a teenager, you're stupid. You are stupid, right? I was talking to my girlfriend last night and she's like, yeah, I mean, you're just, they just don't think you're very smart until now, you know, my daughter thinks, gosh, you're pretty cool, right? You have, they have a really, for those of you that don't know them personally, they have a really, really very special good. relationship. And, um, Tiffany's DNA comes through very strongly through <laughs> Kennedy. Um, Kennedy couldn't have been more than like maybe four. And, um, it was Gammy, her grandmother's birthday. And, uh, she was at our house and she needed a gift bag. And I, I brought, and she goes, I said, that Kennedy, is this a, here, here's a gift bag. And she said, is that my only option? <laughs> so those of you that know <laughs> Tiffany and know her, like right. you know, mm-hmm. stash of the paper or bags, gift bags or something, it was just, I'm like, you are so your mother. Yes. 1000%. She is my child. 1000%. And it's hard for you because you're a little, you know, you like everything a certain way. Controlling. I wasn't going to say that (laughs) just for the record. I didn't say that. It's a controlling thing, right? I didn't say that. (laughs) It's a control. So I can see where it would be hard to relinquish 
if you feel like Kennedy's going down a path that maybe she shouldn't, but she is going to be 21 and she's a great, she's Mm -hmm. such an amazing young woman and you guys have done such a great job raising her, but it's that, you know, that story about the butterfly, you know, you, you want them to be able to fly their wings and you can't always catch them. Like we talked about this in the car, um, making their own mistakes. Jake did dual credit at Cottfell High School and A, A on everything. And he didn't hand in some homework homework. And mm. I called Tiffany about to lose Laws my our mind. Our bleep. Because that A went to a C quickly. I mean it was it. That was his final grade. Mm-hmm. And I remember calling Rich and he's like, Hey. Not my problem. Yeah. You know, and I it but it and I, you're thinking, oh my God, could he could he email the instructors right. and then you know Panic. because the instructor said up front, you don't do this, this. So it's those lessons that are sometimes, yeah. you know, hard because you don't want them to make the mistakes you've made. No, I don't want them to make the mistakes I did. And I and I look at her and I think, I don't think she's gonna be like I am. But you know, I mean in many ways she is, but you know, I just live and learn and things like that. So and I look at our friends our fan our family now and and you know, I look at my husband, it's, it's sometimes as couples, if people that are couples, it's hard to make, is it still hard to make couple friends, like to be a couple and like you like her friends and he likes, you know, like that. So our couple, our, our synergy, so Greg and Rich love each other and Megan, of course there's Megan, but then our kids. So we have a connection. Jake is very good friends with Kennedy and very good friends with Greg. I mean, mm-hmm. Jake yeah. talks to Greg a lot, and it's very refreshing. Sometimes Greg, Jake talks to Greg. More than we, I think we took, um, we came in um, when Tiffany was in Cabo um, uh, just a week or so ago, and we took Greg to dinner. And he, I said something. He goes, "Well, hey, Jake said something." I'm like, "What?" And he goes, "Oh yeah, he texts me." Does that mean I'm like, <laughs> "Isn't that what? nice?" But I love that, and I think too. Part of that is when Jake had an internship in Austin, and he lived that's right at their house and spent a lot of time with Greg. And I just I'm so blessed and thankful because Greg loves my children like they're his own. Oh, 1,000%. And um, takes great pride in in their accomplishments, and um, and it's heartwarming to see. And I love, because Greg doesn't text me, but I love that he texts Greg. <laughs> he does every now and then, but I love that. Greg doesn't text me. I love that he and Jake have this connection via text right. and bourbon. It's so fabulous. Right. So. Okay. Our ding, ding, ding is up. There's so much more to talk about. I have oh my so gosh, much. Is I, that it? I know. <laughs> Are we done? I was so worried we were going to be done in <laughs> 10, uh, in 10 yeah. minutes. Oh, yeah, I feel like before we go, um, I feel like I do. Um, thank you for having me. It's of been course. a lot of fun. And Paul's great. I told Paul he needs a, he's got such a radio voice. Yeah, thank um, A voice over a voice. He'd be, people would yeah. love to listen to that. But, um, I told Tiffany in the car on the way over, it's it's always an honor to me when someone, when we're out shopping or at dinner or something and someone says, are y'all sisters? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah we are, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, so thank you for yeah. having me. Well, I love you. You know that. I love you. I know you're going to bury me someday, so get ready. (laughs) I'm like, morbid. Hello. Or she's going to scatter my, I'm not being buried. I'm going to have my ashes scattered. Oh, no. Don't ask for for permission. (laughs) Just ask for forgiveness. That's right. Take me to Hawaii and just throw me in and then say, I'm sorry. I didn't know there was a law. Okay. I have to ask you, do you know your Instagram? What is your Instagram? 
I don't even know what it is. <laughs> I forgot to ask her. I'm ball. sorry. I only, guys, I only, I didn't even have a Facebook until my son went to West Point, And that's the only way they have a private group that they communicate with their parents. And I only have an Instagram so I can watch Tiffany and Kennedy and my son. Yeah, on, yeah, on Instagram. So, you know, it's Meg I'll Plotsky. It it's Mod, P-L-O-T-S-K. Might be Margaret underscore something. Oh, Lord. Never mind. She doesn't need you to follow. It's all good. Anyway, yeah. everyone, I'm so happy you got to meet my best friend. Uh, everyone stay safe out there and at follow me at Tiffany C. Blackman and everyone please continue to rate and review and listen to these podcasts we're going to keep you going we love you and thank you for listening to my so-called fabulous have a great day everyone